hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I've been waiting for this interview for so long. I finally got him. I reeled him in from France. This guy is fantastic. You've seen him on his Substack, uh, the Mythbuster Substack, and he's been a great contributor to our collective understanding of COVID-19, how the pandemic has unfolded, and now understanding uh, mechanistically and otherwise what's going on with the vaccines. I want to welcome to the microphone, Dr. Mark Girdeau. He's from (laughs) France. I did my best on the last name, Mark. And I want to let you introduce yourself to our audience. You know, we have a worldwide audience, both U.S., uh, Europe, Australia, South America. Uh, So why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, Peter. Uh, I'm not a doctor to start with. <laughs> you, you, again, again, I'm an MBA. Um, and uh, my background is mostly business and consulting. Um, and I've worked, uh, I'm an expert in automotive. Um, I've worked at Cisco for 15 years, uh, backing John Chambers' uh, automotive practice and consulting with uh, leaders of the automotive world for for a very long time, Um, expert around internet. Um, And I I fell into biotech because one of my um, uh, leaders here in France actually trusted me with a life science assignment a few years ago for Big Pharma. Um, and then I ended up uh, working and advising a, a wonderful uh, French uh, biotech startup or scale-up that's, um, that's invented or designed um, a DNA and a peptide uh, vaccine, anti-cancer vaccine. Um, and so I did spend, I, I had like a crash course in immuno-oncology prior to COVID, which gave me a a pretty good understanding of what was going on. Um, So that's that's me. I mean, I'm a father of four children, three grown one and a a, a six-year-old little um, daughter here in Paris. Um, I'm half French, half American. I was born in San Francisco. Uh, Father was an engineer. And uh, had he not uh, died uh, early, I probably would have been an engineer because I've got uh, engineering in my DNA. Mm. So, Mark, are you one of these uh, uh, French, uh, you, you know, basically metropolitan citizens where you, you live above one of these wonderful cafes and you go downstairs and you drink espresso and kind of hang out on the Champs-Élysées? Is that you? Not really, but I mean, I'm I'm very close to the Eiffel Tower. I can see um, the Eiffel Tower from my balcony. Um, but I can't. I mean, I of course you can go to the Champs Elysees. Champs Elysees is very touristy, so so <laughs> we don't really typically hang out there. Uh, but I'm very close to that since I'm uh, close to the the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Wow, that's terrific. And um, where did you get your degree? I have a. <clears throat> I have two MBAs. Actually, I have one MBA from a French business school called ISAC, and then I, uh, I went at it again <clears throat> when I was older and had more ex- business experience. And I went to uh, 
a world-leading um, MBA called INSEAD, which is based out of Fontainebleau in France, too. And you could have, uh, when this whole pandemic blew in, uh, you could have just uh, kept your consulting work and 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 do all the things that you normally do. You didn't have to start joining these groups and you know listening to people like me and Steve Kirsch and others. What, what drew you to become involved? I don't. I mean, sometimes I I regret it because my bank account. I'm completely broke today. <laughs> so, um, but. I, you know, I, I was taught to do the right thing. Um, what 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 happened was um, I was I, I had worked for uh, three years on a, a very ambitious startup um, trying to reinvent uh, automotive software and, and electronics. And I was in Geneva. I had moved to Geneva uh, in 2015. And when uh, COVID hit, was right my move back to to Paris to actually try to get back uh, on my feet. And to be honest with you, when I heard the the, the first you know numbers of the, supposedly the fatality rate of COVID, which was supposed to be at the time crazy numbers five percent, six percent, I was very serious about it. You know, I I, um, I took my, you know at the time I didn't know much about masks, so I, I did tell my wife to wear a mask. Um, I actually started to, uh, uh, sorry, but printer is starting. Um, I started, um, actually thinking I could, um, help out on, you know, these, uh, uh, 3d printing of, uh, of those in ventilators. Um, so I was really on the, you know, the opposite side of the aisle, if I, if I, if I may say, and then, um, my uh, my consulting background um, came back, and I was um, I basically uh, went after each red flag, and um, and the first red flag was um, I had my wife and my daughter had COVID the first week of January in Paris when we were uh, hunting for apartments. What year? Twenty twenty. Wow. And and I got um, you know I had to be to be honest I I a bit mocked my wife I teased her because she was telling me she had um, this uh, loss of taste and I was like what you know this doesn't make any sense to me at the time um, but then you know when the whole thing materialized um, I was like okay so we 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 most likely had COVID um, uh, at that time and then I tried to simulate. Um, well, there's a few things. The first thing is how come a um, 56-year-old uh, man who's who's not going out, partying, etc., is getting COVID and supposed to be hardly there? Something's wrong. It had to be in Paris um, and widely there uh, for some time. Um, and then I I simulated, you know, very grossly, but simulated a growth until March, and I was like, well, hold on a second. You know, it had to be around how come nobody's dying from, you know, early January to mid-March. Something um, some, something was off. So I went on to, uh, to try and estimate the fatality rate. And um, I, had, I have done a ton of benchmarking, so uh, that's something I know how to do. And I, I thought, okay, well, you know, 
in France, they weren't testing very well. Um, There's some countries that were testing better. So I said, well, maybe it's relevant to try and and um, and see if the uh, you know if the metrics of having um, um, having tested around each dead. So basically, I, I divided the number of, of tests by the number of dead, and then I plotted that on a graph um, and on a statistician um, statistical correlation. And and what I saw was what I expected, which is a convergence to a very very low rate, zero point one percent. So that with a very high R square. So I was like, okay, that was, that's you know mid end of April. Um, I'm like, okay, that's very interesting. Maybe I can. Pr- how can I prove that it's it's uh, reasonable? And I I actually modeled New York. I, I went in and I went to say there's this, I think there is a, a, a site called Kinza, I think, from internet um, shared uh, temperatures, uh, thermometers. And and they were giving out, you know, the, the percentage of people who had fever and notably uh, whether that, that number was an outlayer versus normal. And there was a huge outlayer in New York. It was like near, I think it was five point nine and five or 5.85 something like that percent of the population had fever so i I used data from you know that i didn't touch i used um uh, that data simulated the the pandemic notably with a a very high level of of symptomatic because we knew there there were several studies that were showing that and i i multiplied my you know the 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 people who had had it by 0.1 percent and and it was it was the first time in my life that I had a model that was so precise. I was ninety nine percent of of the toll rate in 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 New York, but eighty three percent of New York had been hit with uh you know with seventy percent of that eighty of that eighty two or three percent were asymptomatic. So at that point, I was like, aha, something's interesting going on. I I had. You know, for me, from the very beginning, asymptomatic meant um, uh, people were immune, uh, but I, 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 I didn't know why. I didn't understand completely why. Um, and and after that, I wrote a piece, um, and I I reached out to a gentleman you you probably know, Michael Leavitt, who's a, a Nobel Prize, um, who's become a close friend, a very good friend now. Uh, but I just out of the blue sent him an email because he had done some mass um, estimation and basically said it's it's peaking it's going to go down so we were we were coming at New York from different angles and um, and coming to the same conclusions which which is always really very good you know um, what you don't want is groupthink and so I reached out to him and I said you know this is what I'm finding do you think it makes sense and he said yeah it makes a lot of sense so I wrote my piece as you imagine at the time saying that COVID is only killing 0.1% was not well accepted. Hmm. I took a lot of flack from a lot of people, but my, you know, the data uh, was there and I hadn't touched, you know, I had, I had four walled by um, my data. It was extremely robust. And, and so 
I went on and I continued. And I, after that, I, I went from red flag to red flag. I can go on forever, Peter. You need to stop me. Um, but I went on to try and figure out why people were asymptomatic and what were the conditions. You know, there's the the Delano Roosevelt, the aircraft carrier, both the French one and the and the U.S. ones, all had had um, huge contaminations, mostly asymptomatic. Um, so I was like, okay, so uh, what's that? What, what's happening there? And and at the time, I say, well, well, they're they're immune. It was quite obvious. And then um, started talking about cross immunity. Um, and 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 that was very very important. Um, I I started looking into cross immunity and and started gathering data around cross immunity, and it was completely crazy. The world was, um, uh, of course, um, you know, every adult has had a cold, so everybody had reactive immunity. But even um, you know, to uh, with seventy percent or sixty five percent of the genetic code, the, 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 the common scaffold of coronaviruses, that's enough to, 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 to help out. So I was like, interesting. Uh, and, and then I realized that asymptomatic um, were actually people who had mucosal immunity, uh, which was basically the, the ideas. And I think we, we had a discussion two years ago or, or yeah, something like that together with, with Steve. Um, the idea is you have two types of immunity. Uh, one, which is uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, very important. It's it's the the type of immunity you have right after uh, you recovered that avoids that your children or your wife who's still sick reinfect you. Right? Otherwise, you would end up into a vicious circle of self perpetuate. I'm sure it happened at one point in 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 time that people didn't have that immunity and then they basically would die because they would, you know, reinfect one another permanently. And the one that the ones that survived have this mucosal immunity, uh, which is sterilizing. And I remember you telling me that you had tested that sterilizing immunity and it worked really well. And for me, that was um, uh, an eye opener explaining why the uh, the mortality was so low. Right, um, is we a lot of people, especially in in dense air population areas like um, like Paris or New York, but also in very dense countries like 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 China, like um, Korea, Japan. Um, you know, in Japan they found that um, in Yokohama they found that uh, I think fifty two percent of the of of, of the people um, had pre existing mucosal immunity pre, pre prior to covid right so so these people wouldn't even know um they had a cold they never or they were infected so i continued with that and and what was i was having i had a discussion with uh, michael Levitt in uh, i think september october and um and uh we 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 started discussing a, a um an inconsistency that um, that Professor Raoult in Marseille had mentioned. And that inconsistency was very interesting. He basically said there was no correlation with population density. And, and that, to me, made no sense. Um, it really didn't make sense. I mean, you, you have to have um, a correlation. 
right? Because the more people you put in a building, more people you contaminate, the incidence has to be higher and therefore more people should die. And it took me a little while. Actually, um, I, I got to it by plotting, again, the um, urban population density versus the mortality at in December 2020. And that was a high, really an eye opener. Basically, you, you had very low mortality where you had low density because you have low incidence. Makes a lot of sense, okay? Then as, as population density increased, you had mortality that increased. Again, makes sense. But then you would get to around 1,000 inhabit, um, uh, in, inhabitants per square kilometer, and you had a peak. And then it would go down and get to almost zero um, in, in countries like China and then um, uh, Korea, um, in Africa, uh, all the countries that had very, very high density. And I was like, okay, so what's happening here? And that's where I realized that at you know, you have this incidence that indeed increases, but when you have 60%, 70% incidence, well, you, these people basically get a natural vaccine in a way uh, every year. And they keep that uh, mucosal immunity permanently. And permanently you have in the air a stimulating peptide of the virus or a bit of the virus or the virus itself that keeps you safe. And, and there's a sort of natural protection that's where, you know, we're, we're social animals. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. And, and that got me, um, um, so that was the, the first part of, of my work was really epidemiological. But let me, and, uh, let me just interrupt you. So I think you said something, I think that really has resonated that there are countries where it's so dense. And in fact, not only are there people per square kilometer, but they actually kind of live in the same favelas or they live in yes, the same, course, yeah. uh, you know, near us is Haiti, you know, the island of Haiti. They have very crowded conditions. There's countries in, in Africa, certainly parts of India. You know, I've been to India a couple of times and, and just the density of people and and I think you're right. It's almost as if the virus kind of kind of blows in, and then it comes to a screeching halt. And and you're bringing up the issue of just repeated immune challenges that people are around each other uh, to such an extent that uh, their immune system has a hardiness to it. You know, we would use that term ecologically. There's a hardiness to this kind of group intense congregate living. And constantly having immune and, re and immune challenges. You know, there were never any preschool or elementary school outbreaks. There never were. There's some of the, you know, in Dallas and Texas, yeah. our, pub our public school uh, system shut down, but the parochial schools stayed open. There never were any of these wildfire outbreaks, I think, because the kids constantly are immune challenging. Exactly. Ex exactly. And that, that brought me to, so at the time, I, <clears throat> Uh, my my wife got stuck in Canada, um, so I was locked down in Paris on my own, um, and I worked um, like a maniac. Basically, I worked. <laughs> I I I've I've worked really um, tirelessly, and um, and Michael Levin was kind enough to introduce me to Panda. Um, so I joined Panda. I think in December or, or twenty twenty, um, and. And describe that for our audience so that we don't know. 
Okay, so Panda is um, it's a wonderful uh, uh, think tank um, of a very uh, balanced citizen who um, uh, who who loves science, who loves facts, who are very grounded in reality. But the you know the they're you know professors. There's uh, uh, Nick Hudson is is an actuary. I mean the level. You, I mean, you're part of, of Panda. Um, there's uh, there's many people uh, whom I, 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 I like a lot who are part of Panda. And um, and Panda started in South Africa where, um, of course, lockdown was um, much more disastrous than than in, you know, more, uh, uh, let's say, wealthier countries like like the U.S. or France. And in, um, in the townships, it was very, very hard. And and so Nick and, and the founders uh, and the three other founders um, really worked a lot on why lockdowns didn't make make sense. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's not really the part I've contributed. Um, I've contributed a lot on cross immunity and, and uh, variants. I wrote a piece with Mike Eden on why variants were not a problem. Um, uh, which is really very, very much science, science-based. Um, and, and now, I Mark, saw... Mark, let me interrupt you for a second. What would you say to detractors that would say, wait a minute, you know, you're an MBA business consultant. You've had some exposure to biotechnology. You know, uh, how can you start to, you know, use epidemiologic data and draw your own conclusions? How could you start to study spread and population density, uh, what would you say to them? Well, I, I would say to them that consultants do that uh, 10 times more than science. I mean, much more. It, I, you know, the, the reality of it is a, <clears throat> is a consultant and an entrepreneur, and I'm both, spend their lives um, trying to figure out what's going on with complex issues, um, observe. They're very much into observation, getting data, Trying to understand what's happening, and then um, going through the discipline of 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 creating hypotheses, um, lists of them, or or you know whiteboards of them, and then trying to figure out ways to prove them. Um, and we, to tell you the truth, uh, I think we're much more scientific than most people who call themselves scientists. Because if you're a scientist today, and you have a budget, and you're working on something very very technical. Um, you can spend three years on one experiment, okay? Uh, an entrepreneur or a consultant, he's going to, you know, in a week, um, he's going to work on a hundred um, hypotheses and is going to run through, um, you know, figure out ways um, to find data, either to triangulate and see whether, you know, it fits. So it's not about being completely necessarily very precise, it's more like a GPS, you know, figure out, okay, are we in the right areas? And I, I've used triangulation as, as, as a way uh, to figure out. So, um, you know, I, think I, have... a, I think that's a really, I think there's a really good answer. I think you handled it well. You know, I've come in under heavy fire where, you know, I have a bachelor's degree and then I have my medical degree and residency training and fellowship training, you know, in internal medicine and cardiology. Then I went to graduate school and I have a degree in epidemiology. I studied this and I've still been criticized. I said, listen, you're not an infectious disease doctor. And you know what I say? I say, I am now, uh, <laughs> you know, we're three years into it. 
I called you Dr. Mark. You know, you are a doctor now of this problem. And, you know, the, the thing about the COVID-19 pandemic, which I I think in many ways has been wonderful, is that it's been a level, level playing field for all intellectuals to contribute. Everybody's had a chance to contribute. It's been such a giant problem. And I'm actually not surprised that consultants have come forward and yourself, and I can name some others who are now very active in Substack, very active in revealing uh, and helping us understand what's going on because consultants are competency-based. They are paid to get the right answers and many times get the answers quickly. Whereas yeah. you're right, the academic scientists you know, live grant to grant, term to term, they're teaching, and many times they're bogged down in what I call investigator bias, meaning you know they have a grant in a particular area, and boy, it better work out because the next grant is still linked to the same idea, and they don't have the alacrity to turn their attention to a novel coronavirus pandemic, which you did, and you did it on your own time and effort. I remember these calls where uh, for you, it'd be very late, and you'd say, listen, guys, it's, it's past midnight. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're having. I mean, with Steve, we we I think now it's a bit uh, earlier because yes. Jessica Jessica Rose is also on the call, and she she's ahead a, an hour ahead of me, so she she was really uh, really really tired from these yeah. calls. But it, it was it's, you're right. Greatly. Well, Mark, we're going to take a, a quick break. We've been talking to Mr. Mark Giardot from France. He is a consultant in the area of business and biotechnology, and we've covered this idea of how we can apply different metrics in an evolving pandemic and, and gain an understanding of epidemiology, of which he has described actually many right things. What he said in terms of case fatality rate, density, all this has been borne out in terms of ecological studies. Uh, and on this back half of the McCullough Report, I want to move into his recent work and understanding on the vaccines and side effects. You're listening to The McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is The McCullough Report. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Let me tell you, this is an innovation. The Genesis Fogger uses HOCL. This is a form of hypochlorite. This is a powerful disinfectant. Uh, that is tried and true. It's for sure kills SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 virus, but many other pathogens, including bacterial as well as uh, mycofungal pathogens, enter the Genesis Fogger. It is a powerful mister. It's a dry mist and it does cleanse the air. It does uh, have an, a tremendous uh, disinfectant capability for the room. It's used for industrial purposes uh, and elsewhere, but now it's brought to you in your home to better defend you against SARS-CoV-2, the virus, COVID-19, as well as a host of other pathogens. So if you go to uh, the uh, promotional code and enter in out loud, you can receive a discount off of your first purchase. So go to the Genesis Fogger website and take a look at it. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. 
Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code out loud. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the povidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. We're talking to Mr. Marc Giardot from France. He's an American, French businessman, biotechnology, business consultant. I call him a doctor because he is a doctor of COVIDology. Mark, you uh, have contributed greatly in terms of the Panda organization, the Vaccine Safety uh, Research uh, Council with uh, Steve Kirsch and many others. And uh, your work so far, I'd give you credit because I'm following everybody and I'm particularly interested in people who keep making the right calls. And you made the right calls in terms of the epidemiology, spread, mortality of SARS-CoV-2, outbreak, COVID-19. But you also uh, helped out greatly, I think, in understanding what could be happening with the vaccines. Thank you. I appreciate coming from you. It's a a great honor. I've worked worked a lot. You're right. I've worked most likely, I don't know, six or 7,000 hours, something like that. as I was and, saying, yeah. yeah. Well, and as a mechanism uh, to do this, you started a Substack. When did you start that? I started a Substack about a year ago. About about a year ago, I had I I had written on LinkedIn, and it was destroying my network. Oh. Um, so I, it was a bit complicated. It most likely has destroyed a bit my network, to be honest. Um, but I have, as I said, I haven't written anything I, I, I'm ashamed of. I, I, I haven't, you know, said anything that was wrong. The only thing I was wrong was my last article I explained. I, um, I did not understand. Um, uh, I understood the rise in cancer. I, I can explain that. But I, I didn't understand how the mechanism of action, which now I understand. 
but we'll go. We'll go. It's a bit early to to talk about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I I think the 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 vaccine. <clears throat> you know, I had worked for for a uh, therapeutic anti-cancer vaccine company. So you know, nobody could tell me I'm an anti-vax. Okay. Um, I love the technology. I'm, I, I knew about BioNTech five years ago and, and, and Moderna, and I was following them. Um, and when it all started, I had a major problem because I don't think I, the first problem I had was um, I had I had read wonderful research uh, done by Professor uh, Iwasaki in Yale. Uh, that was showing basically that the the people who were ending up in the hospital and 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 um, and in the ICU and dying, um, they they were immunocompromised. They were basically um, they they're, they had twenty five percent of of normal dendritic cells, which means that their reaction time was reduced, uh, was enhanced, um, multiplied by sixty four. So instead of basically reacting within uh, half a day they would react uh, 10 or 14 days later, and therefore they would produce 270 million, up to 270 million times more virons than a normal person. And we're not even talking kids. Um, and so um, uh, when when this all started, um, I, I really started being um, uh, panicked January 15, 2021. And the reason for that, and I had Panda um, with uh, Roger Hutkinson, who was, um, and a few others, but Roger was the most vocal. Um, We both saw that something was wrong. And um, at the time I had, I I did not see VARES at the time. I didn't know VARES at the time. but what I saw was um, something that didn't make sense from a mathematical problem, uh, reason, from a immunological um, perspective, and from a epidemiological perspective. And that was the fact that in a lot of countries, you had a you know that famous second wave that started September or October, peaked in November, mid-November, and it was you know it was dropping uh, very very quickly in December. And it was supposed to end mid-January. And in all the countries that started vaccinating, that, you know, a lot of them was on New Year's Eve. A few in the U.S. was a bit early. Um, what you see is that there's actually two curves, or actually three curves, um, that death curves that are starting, um, you know, early January and, and 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 going back up. This, this curve... In, inversion is impossible with COVID. It, it is, it is um, you know, the, 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 the reason the, the, the first wave, or the, sorry, the second wave of COVID was going down is because susceptibles were being depleted, right? Um, and you don't create another stock of susceptibles overnight. That's impossible. Okay. Um, so, so that was a that was a, a big to me. Um, I I considered that they were getting they were confusing people who were dying of the vaccine with people who were dying with COVID, and of course now you know it's coming across that you know a lot of people were uh, were being t- uh, taxed with um, 
there were, the hospitals were trying to were incentivized to label people uh, as dying from COVID uh, when when they weren't, and and the 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 people who are dying of the vaccines are are dying in a very different way. I mean, some get pulmonary embolism, and I, I can explain why later on. But some, but the vast majority die, um, you know, and they, they die without ever calling the hospital, which was not at all the case um, uh, with COVID. People were calling, and they and they were going to the hospital, etc. So they're 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 the 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 whole journey, the whole patient journey, is very different. And also the the pathologies are very different, right? You 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 would get uh, um, you know you you would get uh, pneumonia and you will get clots in in the in the in, in in the lungs, but very few people had you know gangrene or it was it doesn't happen like that with with the virus. So for me that that you know I had all the confirmation that something very very bad was happening. Um, and I and I think the world still hasn't realized that a lot of the people, um, I, I, at least it's an hypothesis that's worth going after. A lot of people that died in 2021, who are mostly elderly because they were more um, uh, fragile, um, also uh, died died because they reacted to the vaccine. Um, now. I so that was pretty clear, and I fought, and and there's a lot of resistance everywhere because I think everywhere everybody wanted to get out of this. A lot of people had you know followed the you know even though they were on our side, they had been vaccinated, uh, um, and and nobody wanted to um, to you know to think that maybe they 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 could jeopardize the lives of, of of their friends or their family or their parents uh and and later of their children but so Mark, I was, are you saying that when the vaccines were introduced you saw some uh inflections in the curve that yeah. the vaccines could have actually increased covid mortality or are they just being mixed up well there there you can see it it's very it's very actually for the countries that <laughs> You, you know, for the countries that really did it very aggressively, like the UK, you have just one very large curve. But some countries like Hungary, etc., were more separate. You actually have, to, a, a, you know, you have a, you have a, a camel bumps, you know, and yeah, they they get. You could see that they're getting mixed up, and that's impossible. I mean, from an epidemiological standpoint, that's impossible. You can't create, you know, you can't create a. a, a uh, restart of the of the epidemic in in the middle of the of, of of the winter you know it meant something was wrong at least it's a very indicative that was something wrong um dr uh claire craig is whom, whom i'm sure you know very well she she came up with a very nice analysis where she showed that there was a huge disconnect between um, the, the patient journeys uh, in the UK, where in 2020, if they were calling uh, 111 or 999 emergency services, and in, in 2021, they weren't. So there was a full correlation in 2020. There's no correlation in 2021. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, yes, yes. It's very, that, that's, you know, when, when you're trying to triangulate, when you're dealing with uncertainty, uh, this is the way to do it. And and Claire, uh, you know, I commend uh, the work uh, Dr. Craig has done. She's been she's been uh, uh, doing excellent work. 
Um, and now, now the thing where, so that fight was, you know, you know, Steve Kirsch joined, I joined Steve's uh, team with you and Jessica Rose and Matthew Crawford and so many. And we, we benchmarked with different ways and we found, um, you know, I had, I had done a benchmark with uh, people dying on islands because I had, you know, um, I, um, I knew Seychelles from a very long time ago. And I know that in May, I don't believe you can get a cold in May in Seychelles. The, 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 the sun is scorching and the air is sanitized. And, and as soon as they start vaccinating in, in Seychelles, um, uh, you saw uh, COVID-19 death uh, uh, increasing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had, there was a big red flag I had was, hold on a second, why are some people um, having problems and some people not? You know, and I had a huge scare because my second son uh, got vaccinated and he was, working uh overworked and at one point he didn't feel well because he was tired and says dad you think it's the vaccine and i said well you know get your d-dimers and your troponin levels tested mm -hmm. i had listened to you uh, mm -hmm. uh and and he was perfect there's nothing so it's like okay that's very interesting because that's you know you have to watch this you, know, you have to watch the reality is and say well okay so um, I started taking, a, um, I had in June, 2021, I had written a, a piece that was, um, read quite a lot, notably in South Africa, read by 300,000 people where basically I, I, I compared a natural immunity versus vaccine immunity and says, there's no way I was one of the first ones to, to get out and, and shout that there's no way that. By you know, by mimicking, you're better than the real thing, basically. Yeah, I remember um, that. I remember that, and that was uh, that was quite an a, a challenge to this orthodoxy that was coming down. Yeah. In, in fact, the the claim was the vaccine was better than natural immunity. Exactly, and so the fact that I was a doctor was easier, but but I did take a lot of flack again for that. But in that in that paper, I had researched um, some of the problems with Spike, and I, I started saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe there is something there. Um, I, I did not say it's the Spike, but I did say some people are saying it's toxic. But Mark, I have to um, tell you, you're supported by another guest I've had on the program, Dr. Panagis Polycritus. He's a Greek scientist in Italy. And I had him on and we featured a paper that he had published about a year ago, uh, hypothesizing that just what you said, that when the lipid nanoparticles are taken up, we now know actually that cells start to fuse, adjacent cells can fuse and form a syncytia. But, uh, but in fact, when they express spike protein on the cell surface, it's an all out attack. I, I mean, these, these cytotoxic T cells, they, they can launch complement I mean, it's just, it, it is just, the human body is not supposed to express spike protein and it's going to um, cause immediate, uh, uh, immediate inflammation. Yeah. 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 yeah it, it's, 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 it's very quick. And I, so, so then I, I, um, um, there is two studies, uh, one um, done by Hong Kong university and another one, by Maximilian Alexander Munich University, 
um, that had tested intravenously these vaccines, um, both the the Pfizer vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine on mice um, uh, infused, okay, so slowly uh, injected, uh, but at high, I had high um, high concentration or a higher concentration, so to sort of simulate a bolus, but not completely. And and what was very interesting was that the mice, especially on the first shot, the mice that were injected. Um, Intravenous, uh, intravenously, uh, immediately had um, T cells, lymph uh, T cells attacks in the heart. Um, the the heart was damaged um, and actually started um, calcifying within twenty four hours. Uh, the liver also, and you had a lot of uh, the the same uh, problems that uh, that we've been seeing for the past two years. So that was like, oh, okay, so that's very interesting. I started, uh, you know, raising that issue, saying, "Well, look, this is um, this is a nonpartisan problem, if that's true." Okay, there. I'm sure you go to the CEO of uh, of BioNTech and say, "Hey, do you think our vaccine should be injected intravenously?" And he will go, "Hell no." Okay, um, the the you know, it's an interim. It's supposed to be an intramuscular vaccine where the muscle uh will play the role of a saline bag okay so basically the, the the particles would trickle slowly into the bloodstream the concentration would be um extremely low and it, it would be since the vascular system is so great at um uh, distributing evenly uh over space and time uh nutrients then you would basically have an immune attack here, an immune attack there, but just one cell at a time, and the the, the cells next uh, neighboring cells would basically replicate and 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 basically fill in the gap, um, and therefore um, the 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 uh, I, the um, inadvertent um, intravascular or intra yeah, intravascular administration. Yeah. Right? Um, was is was a good um, a, a really a, a good theory, um, and and um, and I would say uh, to add to that that very early on Denmark, um, in um, I think March of 2021, and then I think later on, I'm not so sure when Hong Kong did it, uh, and Germany last year February 2022, those three countries reinstated. A, an almost century-old uh, protocol, which is aspiration. Um, so let that me, let me just explain to the audience. So uh, when uh, a nurse or a doctor puts a needle in, it goes through the skin, it goes through the subcutaneous tissues, and it goes into the muscle. Now, a reasonable practice is to pull back on the syringe to make sure there's not a flash of blood. If the flash of blood indicates the needle happened to hit a vein that's coursing through the muscle, and that can happen. And I'm a, I'm a cardiologist. I've worked with needles and done this my entire life. Even in the subcuticular space, we put a needle in, we pull back, and then before we inject forward, it's important. But in the world of vaccination, because it's such a small volume, it, there's been a practice over time 
to just put the needle in and push the plunger down without aspirating. And it just came because largely because it's a small volume and uh, you know anything less than one cc is typically not painful. And this became yeah. practice, but what Mark's pointing out is, wait a minute, in this case, because it's lipid nanoparticles, this could be a very important part of the procedure that's being skipped. Yeah, actually, it's 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 the same problem is with attenuated vaccines because you know the 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 Seychelles study. That's where you, it's very important to look at data. And, and the Seychelles uh, was doing was using Sinovac. It was not using Pfizer, and they were having dead too. Um, so I, we 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 can get to that. Uh, um, I, I think uh, to that. But what what's what's been very interesting is so I'm also on the the. The shadow scientific committee here in, in France, even though I'm not not a doctor, they sort of allow me to to come in and 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 contribute. Um, and so at the time, um, Christian Perron, I, I told Christian, I said, Christian, you know, this is something we should be, you know, uh, crossing the the aisle and going to our our you know opponents and say, look, uh, this is not anti-vax. This is respecting the protocol. Can you can can we do something? Unfortunately, it's it's been um, the medical practice has, uh, as you're saying, it has has sort of um, um, done away with that. It's like it's, it's it never happens, basically. And and it's true. It, it it's true that a lot of people, um, you know, in the um, um, I, I had I had read a, a piece. Um, uh, from 1936, called by Waldboat and uh, and Asher, called the role of ex- accidental punctures of vein in the production of allergic shock, um, when they were uh, injecting uh, Poland to desensitize uh, allergic people, uh, they they would hit uh, occasionally they would hit uh, a vein and it would create a, a, sh- a shock. Uh, actually, it, they they called it an anaphylactic shock. So that's when you were getting a vein. Um, and and the data they were saying with a, with a, with aspiration was around one in ten thousand. Okay, that's that's what mostly the entire community has been on both sides. Okay, I've been telling me for the past year, and what I've been telling them is um, that can be true. Uh, you know, it's, there's no way from a from a phys- physiological standpoint uh, that. That you 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 would find a, a blood vessel one time out of ten thousand. Why? Because the um, you need to bring blood, you know, and it, it takes space uh, for for you know each cell is 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 one cell away or two cells away maximum from from a blood vessel. So um, so I had I had been um, trying to figure out ways. Uh, it took me some time to be honest because I was. Um, I was working on other um, other other issues, but I I, um, um, I had a, a one of my readers, uh, you know, I had so my Substack is called COVID Misbusters, um, and um, one of my uh, oh, readers, Mark, Mark, just to for time, we have about five minutes left, and I do want to get to the oh. point where you end up on Joe Rogan and Brett Weinstein. And all of that. So, uh, okay. kind of bring bring us home with this story. It's very interesting. Well, I, I uh, it's it's um, a few weeks ago. I think um, um, Brad saw one of my um, last articles, whereby I found two studies 
that showed that experienced nurses injecting steroids with aspiration um, actually um, inject intravenously or intravascularly almost 2% of the time. Mm-hmm. 2%. So imagine if, if people are inexperienced and don't aspirate. Most likely 5%. The famous 5% uh, that uh, Professor Burkhardt in Germany has suggested is, is most likely that. That means that you have almost, if you get three shots, you have 14% chance of, of being harmed. Now, what I, the, the work I've done, and I, 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 I encourage people to go to my September piece where I describe in detail um, the, the mechanism of harm. And there's four mechanisms of harms very quickly. The first one is a bullet goes through your artery and, and basically carpets bomb your endothelium. What will happen necessarily is T-cell will attack and strip the endothelium. Um, and then the, the smooth muscle layer that's behind will decay because it's not supposed to be in contact with the blood. And you will have an aneurysm and you will have a rupture and you'll die. If it's less concentrated, you'll have a thousand cuts everywhere and those cuts stimulate coagulation factors so you'll have coagulation you have clotting downstreams you have these gangrenes you have these uh these clots um coming up if ever it goes it's it's more distributed downstream it goes and hits the uh, the organs and it'll just you know i have a friend who lost 30 percent of his lungs so it can go to the lungs it can go to the heart you, you get basically organ failure um, and all of that. And then there's a fourth mechanism, which is really interesting, which actually causes myocarditis, as proven by a, a, a Japanese team, and it's basically endothelial leakage. Mm. Um, and I, I, and endothelial leakage can happen anywhere in, in the body, and the endothelium plays a different, you know, different roles in the BBB. If you have leaks in the, um, in the BBB of the gray matter, or the white matter, you get Alzheimer's. Okay, that explains uh, the explosion of Alzheimer's. If you get it in the testis or in the uh, blood follicle barriers for women, ovocytes, then it can let in T cells that are going to destroy your your sperm, explaining the 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 lower sperm count. If it goes into your um, endocrine organs, uh, pituitary gland, um, pancreas, etc., it's going to free up hormones into, into your body because the, the barrier is not there anymore. If it's, um, if it's your blood milk barrier, you're going to poison the kid, the, the baby, your toddler that you're breastfeeding, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so um, it, Mark, and it's, this, this sounds like a Russian roulette. It is a Russian roulette. It is. It is. I, I actually, I, I wrote a piece that, that that's exactly that. It is a Russian roulette with, with I, you know, a year ago I didn't know anything about the endothelium, but the endothelium is most likely your most precious organ, and we're we're basically sending down, um, uh, we're carpet bombing it or bombing it. It's ridiculous. You know, don't you know if you if people have multiple sclerosis. Uh, you know, there's there's no question that vaccines contribute to that to 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 a big extent. Um, well, Mark, it's fair to say that if there's any baseline illness, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, 
heart failure, a blood coagulation disorder, what we've learned about the vaccines is it makes it way worse. And and so anytime there's, you know, already someone's on the precipice of expressing symptoms, then it could happen with, with this type of injection. Just so I can um, let our listeners, not all the listeners are doctors or nurses, the endothelium is the lining of our blood vessels in our body, in the arteries, the veins, the capillaries. And that endothelium, if you think about it like an organ, it far and away is the biggest organ system that we have. It has the more uh, surface area than any other organs system in the body. Uh, Mark, we just have a minute left. Um, so I'll have you put a punctuation point on this and let our, know, our listeners how they can follow you. Okay, so you can follow me uh, on covidmissbusters.com. Uh, covidmissbusters on my Substack. sorry. Um, the, uh, the solution to, um, to this problem um, is, is very simple. It's to aspirate and to inject very slowly, as is done with many other drugs that are injected intravenously. By doing that, you, you will get rid of many of the problems that we're seeing. Um, if people absolutely want to get injected, that's what they should ask. Mm, okay, well, we'll leave it there. That's actually very, very important advice. Uh, if it's going to be injected, tell the nurse or the person uh, giving it to aspirate. Pull the plunger back. Make sure there's not a flash of blood. If there is a flash of blood, reposition the needle and make sure that's not going to be a free flow injection forward with the lipid nanoparts. We've been talking with Mr. Mark Giado, who I call a doctor. He's a doctor of COVIDology. He's dedicated the last three years, as I have and so many of our guests, to helping the world get through this crisis. And it is a crisis. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the McCullough Report. Peter, thank you for hosting me. It was uh, really a pleasure to talk to you. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. <laughs>